Welcome to MCS Pentecast, Pentecostal podcast about theology and life in the Spirit, featuring both scholars and practitioners. MCS Pentecasts are produced by Masters College and Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Van Johnson, Dean of Masters Pentecostal Seminary. This is Peter Newman. How do we hear from God? What means does he use to teach and guide us? Christian theology identifies four interrelated resources the Spirit uses to teach believers about God and how we should live. In part one of this podcast, Dr. Van Johnson discusses two of these resources, Scripture and community. This talk was recorded live before an audience of young adults at Agent Court Pentecostal Church, Sunday evening, September 15, 2013. Very glad to see you. It was really quite depressing in this room about 10 minutes ago. I mean, just, you know, Peter, and you know, it's nice, but this is fantastic. This is great. Okay, so we have, uh, we have about 40 minutes or so, and we want to uh, team teach here on how we know. Opinions are everywhere. You've uh, you've seen you've seen Twitter, and it's amazing how many different opinions on any one thing you can find on social media. You, you know that. If you've been to school, you know that different professors teach different things. <coughs> and if you are a connoisseur of Christian podcasts, or if you've traveled from church to church, you know that occasionally even preachers and teachers will teach different things. So how are we supposed to know? How do we know? How do we know what God's saying? How do we know what's true? Look, how do we know how to answer the kind of questions you can't Google and get a decent answer? I mean, type in the will of God. We tried it one night. I forget who was with me. Try it. You're not really going to find what you're looking for. So how do we know? Uh, the point here is the we, and you'll hear us, not, not W-I-I, the, 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 the we, us. The point here is the us. Let me say uh, right at the beginning that none of us, thank the Lord, were wired to figure this out by ourselves. God simply did not make any individual that could figure out what God was trying to say on his or her own. So the question really is, if we're talking about Christianity... How do we know? Let's look at this from four different ways. Our friends in the Christian tribe, the Christian family, the Wesleyans, the Methodists, have a habit of saying that we know what God's trying to say, we know what's true, through four different ways, four different resources. Uh, you, you'll see them uh, emboldened with black rims on the, uh, the four parts of this uh, beautifully created handout. Uh, scripture, of course. And Scripture is first. Any, any Christian tribe, any Christian denomination is going to build from here. right? Scripture. Uh, community, old and new. Experience. And finally, uh, what's in your mind? Reason. The Wesleyan said there's, there's four ways that we know. 
Now, if you're, if you're like me and you're looking at this, you're thinking it would be helpful to see the words, the Holy Spirit here. Uh, let's, let's be clear, there is, there is no knowing what God wants without the work of the Spirit. We would, have, we would not have the uh, knowledge of what God has done, the experience of Christianity would be impossible. The Holy Spirit lies behind all four. The Wesleyans weren't trying to replace the Holy Spirit. The, the Wesleyans were saying there's four different ways that the Spirit works so that we know. Spirit works through Scripture. The Spirit works through community. Tells a group of people and, they, and they, they build a fellowship around what they think the Lord has said to them. Spirit works through reason, works through your mind. And the Spirit teaches you through your experiences. So, uh, Dr. Peter and I are going to split these up. Let me talk to you about uh, panel number one and panel number two. Let's talk about scripture. Let's talk about community. And uh, Peter will talk about the other two. Pretty easy to know where we're going to start uh, with scripture. Uh, there, is, there is certainly no Christian denomination that wouldn't put scripture at the top. Now, we've got four here. And if you've come from a different denomination, a different tribe, you might, you might notice that Pentecostals emphasize one of these four more than others. Uh, within the Christian world, these, these four tend to get weighted differently, but uh, I think pretty well every Christian tradition has some of these four. I don't think any of them would put Scripture behind any of them. Obviously, we believe it is the one book that we can trust in a way that we trust no other book. We do believe that the Bible has an authority that no other written text has. Jesus believed it. He taught from it, shaped his life around its teachings, said that it would never pass away, said that it was the Word of God. And Christians have done the same. So what is it about the Bible that makes it so trustworthy? Why do we believe it? Well, first of all, and maybe this is all we need to say. The Bible itself says that it's the Word of God. In other words, the Bible itself claims that it is inspired. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit when we, when we hear the Word, when we read the Word, that affirms in our hearts that this book is the very Word of God. It's the inspired Word of God. So at the top, at the top we put Scripture. Nothing replaces it. Even in a Pentecostal community like ours, where there is some freedom for people to take authority that you might not see in another tribe. Uh, this morning, were you here? 11 o'clock, somebody begins speaking out and gives, uh, gives words that none of us understood. A tongue. Then she gives her own interpretation. Okay? It was a bit of an authoritative moment. We all stopped. Okay, well that's very Pentecostal. But not one person in the sanctuary that knows anything about us thought that this was God speaking directly. No one wrote it down and put it on a uh, sticky note at the back. Uh, we would have judged what we heard based on the scripture. So it's, so it's the bedrock and it's the foundation. Yeah? So let, let's talk about something that uh, maybe we haven't thought as much about. How the Spirit uses us, how the Spirit uses community. And by the way, the, the scripture and community are connected more than we think. So before we talk about community, uh, let's talk about the connection. 
there is not one book in the New Testament, not one book in the Old Testament, that was written for personal reading. That there, there was not one part of the Old Testament or Old Testament that was written to, uh, to be just studied privately. No biblical author thought that any one person was going to take it in. They all thought they were writing for an audience. They all thought that when the scroll was opened that they had written upon, or a copyist had written upon, that it would be a group of believers, Jewish believers, Christian believers, who would hear it together, think about it together, pray about it together, discuss it together, and figure out exactly what it meant. Look, I'll tell you why this is so. So, see, spirit and community. Everyone that, scripture and community, everyone that wrote thought the spirit was going to work through what they had written as the community heard it out loud. Uh, why? Well, first of all, most people couldn't read in Bible times, Old or New Testament. Most couldn't read. They didn't have personal copies of the Bible. They were on scrolls. They were kept in a special place in a community that could afford to have a special place. And that scroll was unrolled and read by somebody who could read once a week. You didn't have your own personal copy. And third, uh, you know, Bible times people, not raised with the kind of extreme individualism that we've been raised with that seems to suggest that, you know, you're your own man, you're your own woman, you're going to figure this out by yourself. They never would have thought that something so important would be of any, any private value. They thought they needed to hear God speak when they were together. So, we, we talked about scripture, but when you get back into Bible times, you immediately go to community because it's the community that heard the word. To put it in another way, okay? Everybody who is writing is picturing performance. They are picturing somebody reading what they're writing to an audience. The Gospels were written as performance, more like a play in some ways. That somebody would stand up and perform for a group of people. So, all the more so that this is good that we have a young adults resonating group because this is, this is the right place for us to work through what God's trying to say to us in the scriptures. Okay, value community. Uh, let's, let's talk about the communities of the past and uh, this community of the present. Every Christian tribe that has had any staying power, any denomination that has got some traction and lasted, oh, Baptists, Methodists, Wesleyans, Anglicans, any group that got some traction and lasted, did so because a group of people came together and they thought that God, they heard God saying something in particular to them. Typically, they thought that they understood the word was encouraging them to do something that wasn't being done. And they preserved that idea, you see. They preserved what they thought that God was telling them to do and they preserved it. And that became part of their tradition. When we talk about the value of the communities in the past, we're, we're using another word for tradition. Pentecostals have one, a little bit about 110 years uh, of age. The first Pentecostals came upon this one central idea that explains better why we are sitting here rather than someplace else tonight. They had this one idea that they thought that God was showing them that when the Spirit came, and all of a sudden they were experiencing 
the work of the Spirit in a way that they had heard other preachers talking about, but now they were actually experiencing it. And as a community, they're trying to figure out what this is. And there was an idea that they caught on to right at the beginning, which, and it's this idea in particular, uh, that makes me uh, very happy to say I'm Pentecostal. They thought that God was showing them that when the Spirit was poured out, it was meant to be shared with others. They thought that when the Spirit came, it wasn't so much about personal benefit, but it was more about helping others. They thought that the Spirit was less about enjoyment, though they enjoyed the presence of the Lord. One of the reasons the early Pentecostals were so strict in their behavior was because they had found a joy so deep that they didn't want to do anything to mess it up. But they thought that the coming of the Spirit was less about enjoyment and more about empowerment. They actually thought that God had raised them up as a community to move in the power of the Spirit so that other people could be helped. I am uh, very happy to say I'm a Pentecostal. Not saying this is the only movement God has ever used, but it's the one that he raised me up in. This is part of the tradition that came from the first Pentecostal community or communities. Central idea. So we, we value community already within our history. Okay, but now let me talk to you about how it works out today. So let's come back to the central idea. God didn't wire any of us to be able to figure this out by ourselves. And so the value of community about regularly getting together in terms of having some idea what God is trying to say. Now we all experience it on Sunday morning. We all hear the same teaching as people linger around or as they tweet or as they interact. Uh, there can be reverberations of a, a good sermon that go on and on and on and on. But in particular, I'm interested in the dynamic of this group and the potential of it. It is, it is a crushing weight sometimes to be pacing in your basement or walking down the street trying to figure out what God is trying to say and knowing that it's just burning your brain. And you feel this weight having heard this teaching that you're supposed to figure out what God wants and you can barely figure out what you're having for dinner or what school you're going to or what courses you should take and you're supposed to figure out exactly what the God of the universe is trying to say to you about the significance of your life. You weren't wired that way. Let it go. But it's in community, you see, that I've learned a lot about what the Spirit is trying to say and where you are going to learn a lot about what the Spirit is trying to say. And particularly for Pentecostals, this should be one of the things that we're best at. Okay, so we got these four variables, these four resources. Every denomination weights them a little bit differently. In terms of significance of community, we would be right up there with those groups that give this particular weight. Think of it now for a moment. In terms of community, the idea that the Spirit speaks through a group of people to help the people in that group, that the Spirit uses us to help us figure it out, right? Uh, you think of our emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. Let me say something obvious, I don't mean to insult you, but let's just remind ourselves that the gifts of the Spirit are only effective when you're in a group. You don't go home and prophesy to yourself. You don't have a word of wisdom for yourself. You don't have the gift of service for yourself. All of the gifts are meant to be used to help the community. 
Now, in particular, think about how many of the gifts of the Spirit are speaking gifts meant to help somebody else know what God wants. Okay? So let's, uh, let's think of them. Okay, so uh, prophecy. Uh, tongues and interpretation. It's not for private benefit. A word of wisdom that you share to a group of people so they get an idea what God wants done and the others sense the spirit in it and say, yeah, that's... Word of knowledge. Where one of us at a point where we are looking for something that we can say, that's it. Somebody gets a word of knowledge. They know something that the rest of us need to know. The gift of preaching, the gift of teaching, the gift of evangelism, the gift of... You're getting the point. The gift of exhortation is something that you say. And who do you say it to? You say it to those that the Lord who has brought you into community with. And by saying what the Lord gives you to say, you help somebody else in the same way that through my lifetime people have helped me. Of course, start with my family. I've had some unusual privileges in terms of a family that stayed together, that served the Lord. My dad was a pastor. So I've learned a lot about what God wants to say to me through listening to my dad and my mother speak. Through listening to my dad pray in the basement. To listen to his counsel to me driving into church. Not all of you have had that. But there have been other people who have helped me. Sometimes I didn't even know that they were. They were testifying. They were talking about their Christian walk. They were, they were repeating uh, a scripture verse that they said, you know, I just, just want to tell you this one. It's been in my heart. What we would tweet, they would say. Many of the people who encouraged me growing up don't even realize that they did. But they were helping me understand something of how God wanted me to act, what he wanted me to think, who he wanted me to be. I could have never done this without people like you. I still can't. Now, I won't interact with you uh, on a one-to-one -one basis, uh, most of you. This church is too big, and my, uh, my career is down the road. And, and this is one of those rare times where I actually get a chance to look into your faces close up. So let me say to you that you have a great value to this church and to me, because when you testify, worship the Lord, when you, when you live your life, you are affecting others like me and helping us to know what God wants us to know. Okay, that was really good, by the way. So, <laughs> Peter, don't let us down now because I've established some momentum here. Okay? We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecasts, podcasts produced by Masters College and Seminary. MCS Pentecasts are available online at mcs.edu and also through iTunes Podcasts. Master's College and Seminary offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses offered through Master's Pentecostal Seminary in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For undergrad courses at Master's Pentecostal Bible College in Peterborough, Canada, please visit mcs.edu.